If you are not careful and you let yourself be captured by the news and all the noise, it can confuse you into believing that there is more wrong in our society than right with it. That there are more selfish people than selfless people. It is easy to fall into this trap because that's how traps work. They are designed to bring you in and keep you there. The antidote to this comes when you realize that the world isn't full of traps. It's full of goodness. A goodness that far outweighs the bad. Every day there are more people that you know, that you meet, that you pass by, who focus their efforts and energy into helping others, in service to others, to making their country, their community better. Just as the saying goes, iron sharpens iron. We draw in strength from service, and our service spreads strength to others. The people who spread that strength often blend in with the noise of the world. They are the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, the veterans, the police officers, and so many others. We refuse to listen to the noise, and we want to spread our common goodness by telling the stories of service of everyday people from our citizen servants. This is the Strength from Service Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Strength from Service. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Jake Palmer, along with, as always, our esteemed hosts, Jack Zimmerman and Mike McLaughlin. I had to pause there for esteemed, so make sure we're all on the same page. Who's going to introduce our amazing guest today? Yeah, I'll be doing it. Uh, Go ahead, Jack. Today we got uh, Ted Carlson down, good friend of mine. Uh, Graduated from uh, Rosemont High School. And uh, went off to the U.S. Uh, United States Air Force Academy, and from there transferred to uh, University of Wisconsin and played some hockey over there. And that's kind of where you got your real estate uh, start. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he's uh, married. Uh, I don't know what you want. Is, I don't know. I don't know what okay. you. You don't have to pause after that. Yeah. It's okay I, that he's married. I was getting into the business side there. Come yeah. on. <laughs> and uh, he's got a couple kids, and uh, we'll talk about all that. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but uh, I don't know what your titles are here, but uh, Carlson Partners. I, I I think you're the you're the top dog, or yeah. I don't know what, what what exactly you guys call it over there. It's a lot of initials after. And your then name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then Orient Investments. Uh, well, I can't wait to hear about all this stuff. But uh, well, thanks for coming down, Ted. We, we appreciate you coming down. Yeah, and welcome. We're excited to hear your story. And, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I don't think you could ever go wrong with it. you just throw out founder and CEO. You know, if you're starting something off, you well, just go with that top you know, dog or CEO you know, is pretty hard know. to spell for the 101st guys. Though, so. <laughs> I'm not sure when you capitalize them. C. How do you spell? C? He's like, does he want me to yell? S E A. Yeah, I'm I'm the CEO of my church. Christmas, Easter, and one other time. Ah, <laughs> oh, I've been banking that one. So anyway, anyways, thanks for, for coming. Thanks yeah, for coming. Anyway, out, thanks for coming, Ted. It's great uh, to yeah, see you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for so. Uh, well, should we start at the beginning? Uh, uh, what took you to the uh, to the Air Force Academy? Is that what yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm blessed with a, a great uh, upbringing with two younger brothers, Tim and Tony, that yeah. Jack has met, and we lived in Apple Valley, went to Rosemont, and Bob and Linda, my mom and dad, were. Fantastic, and lived kind of that idyllic, you know, childhood in suburban America. And then, uh, I, since I was young, probably six or seven, my mom will say I, I always wanted to fly, fight, and kill. Yeah. So That's I, awesome. I graduated high school in '95 and was lucky enough to get an appointment to the U.S. Air Force Academy, and I went there, did you know, academy basic training, and then ran into some medical problems in my colon and in that region, which at that time the military was downsizing and. Um, I had an uh, option to do, do, in my my words, nothing fun in the military, non-combat related, mm-hmm. and stay 
or uh, take a medical discharge. And when you're 18 years old, I think it's kind of hard to see beyond your nose maybe a little bit. And I said, well, if I can't fly or do anything really cool, um, you know, I'm going to take a different path. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not wasting anybody's time either then. No, and, and, and frankly, at that time, it was really hard to stay motivated in a service academy environment when I knew after four years of paying the tax of that environment with, as I call it, you know, no girls and no beer. Yeah. Uh, it was really, at that type point, it didn't work for me. Yeah. So then I ended up at the uh, University of Wisconsin. Uh, lots of girls, lots of beer. <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah. 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 And Madison? Then, Madison, yeah. Yep. That's a fun town. Girls with beer, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or, and uh, yeah, plenty of both. Both, yeah. uh, may, maybe or maybe not. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll never forget it. The eye opener for me, I went to Madison sight unseen because they had a great real estate and finance program. And then I'm like, well, if I'm not going to fly jets, then I'll do that. My dad was a home builder and, you know, we had a, a great life uh, that I was blessed with. And so, well, this is going to be my second best option. And I'll never forget my first time in Madison. I'm already enrolled. I'm getting down there. I'm going to the apartment, meeting some of the hockey team and this and that. And uh, were you gonna, like, Sorry, I mean, interrupt you. Yeah. Were you going to play hockey at the Air Force? Yeah. You yep. were. You were playing in hockey at yeah. Air Force. Yeah. 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 I thought so, but. Yeah, it was funny. We used to, uh, you know, when you're a freshman, there's no phones. The internet wasn't around. I think AOL was in the first week of <laughs> sure, uh, sure. infancy with yeah. the dial tone and that. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we used to break into the arena, crawl up through the ceiling tiles into the coach's office so we could call home or call our friends. Oh, nice. sure. Yeah, it's pretty Excellent. wild. Yeah. It's so, funny how creative you get when, yeah. you, when you want something. Uh, and, you yeah. Adapt and overcome, you know, in the absence of you invent, right? Mm -hmm. That was one of the best weeks of uh, basic training was the last week when the drill sergeant's like, hey, look, all bets are off. You know, peer immunity. What did you guys get away with and how did you guys get away with it? So the next guys can't get you know yeah. I mean? yeah. it. That was one of the best. That was their research. <laughs> yeah, that was the way they, that's where they got ahead of everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that was my first time and only time breaking in there. <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> yeah. At least that we're going to put on. Yeah, yeah at least it's on the record. You're young yet. You've got your whole yeah. life ahead of you. i got some time worry. left, yeah. yeah. But before you get too far down the, the rabbit hole uh, with Wisconsin, I want to circle back around a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, I think you, you glossed over a hell of an achievement, man. Like getting a slot at one of the service academies isn't something just like True. a dude off the street rolls into. I mean, I'm not picking on Jake, but like no, he's right. Jake wasn't going to get into the, I wasn't going to get into the service academy. Like my grades and, and my extracurricular, uh, you know, activities had infantry written all over it post Same. high school or, or Votech or tech school, which I, I started off mm -hmm. on too. Um, I actually, that was a humble brag when I met the president that was, he asked me if I played football and I said, yeah. And he said, what position? I said, left out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She got it. But so, I mean, uh, what, what was, what was, uh, you know, pursuing that initially, and obviously we you know the medical side took mm -hmm. a different uh, pathway, but I mean, how, how was, uh, like identifying that goal and kind of what did you have to do to work towards that goal? Cause it was something you had to work towards, you know, instead of just, it's not something you just are handed and yeah. the Air Force isn't coming after you. No, no, you're right. I mean, I, I think it, for me, it was, I, I had a, just a strong desire to fly, a strong desire to serve. So, I was always yeah. en enamored with you know, the books about um, uh, POWs in, in Vietnam. I was enamored with, um, you know, Ted Williams was my favorite baseball player, and he's an ace in the Korean War. And he, yeah. four or five years of his baseball career, his prime, he was flying jets in a conflict. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, I loved reading about World War II and the dogfights there and how the P-51 kind of came in and helped save the day for the B-17s. And, yeah. you know, so it was just ever since I was a kid, it was just in me, so to speak. Mike and I and I just I really wanted to serve and so I applied to all the service academies. Air Force was my first choice. I interviewed with, at that time uh, Paul Wellstone. Oh sure. Maybe uh, Rudy Boss Wits 
and I, I'm forgetting someone else, but sure. that was a great process for me as a kid to go in and meet these congressional leaders, have an interview, get their nomination, and you're right. just, I was just like, oh, man, I hope, God, please give me a nomination. Yeah, I right. want this more than anything. And, and that's what, that's lucky. the crazy part is I don't think people understand is what it was. It, you're, you're pleading and fighting to go, yeah, to go serve and do what most people don't want to do, you know? Yeah, and I think it's a, a single digits acceptance rate. Right. I know I don't want to. Try not to pat myself on the shoulder, no, but, but I huge, wanted yeah. it, and so I, I worked my butt off, and yeah, and stayed clean and stayed out of trouble generally, and yeah, I got to where I wanted to go. And then when I did when it didn't work out, that was quite a blow, frankly. The medical review board and kind of fighting to maintain some ability to do something what I thought would be cool in the military, yeah. which you guys ended up doing. And, you, do you remember getting your letter to get in? Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know I should probably look through and see if I still have it That's somewhere, cool. but it was pretty cool. And then I remember my, my you know, I was flying pretty high. And then I yeah, got right. for something pretty cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my dad had a friend who was in the front office for the North Stars at the time. And uh, they managed to uh, obtain some Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks letterhead. And he sent me a letter saying, you know, we, you, you finished your career strong. Uh, we're going to be paying attention to you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if we get excited about you in the upcoming draft. Uh, I didn't realize it till a day later. They let me just ride it out that it was dated April first oh. of nineteen ninety five. So they punked me really good. Really, wow, I thought I, you know, I thought I was ten feet tall and oh, right. bulletproof and going to Air Force. Yeah. And the Blackhawks are looking at me. Hell yeah, you know. Top of the world, baby. So, anyways, you, you were, were you were, did you, did yeah. you go out and buy the tape deck like that movie Iron Eagle? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that was one of my favorites, and of course, Top Gun. But yeah. I remember my another quick story about my dad is my mom was off doing something. He took my brothers and I to see Iron Eagle, which is PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah, and she blew a gasket. Yeah. So, and anyways, that's actually yeah. like a, a legit, you know, PG thirteen movie. You know, compared to like some mm-hmm. of the eighties ones where. As PG thirteen and they're smoking six cigs and dropping s bombs and you know you get the booty yeah. shot and like in mm-hmm. the the Sylvester Stallones and the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies like and all that side of it so no yeah. Iron Eagle man I remember yeah, that great, one too great, that great movie. Uh, we on a complete ramp but we were one of the households in the neighborhood that had HBO and that used to get ran on there all the time because my old man was a big boxing fan so we always okay. had HBO for the boxing at the time but <laughs> no Mike was a boxing fan no Tom I'm Tom, Tom, sorry, yeah, Tom. I'm Mike. this is Mike yeah. Tom. Yeah. have you guys met uh, yeah he, he's just you know he thinks all us Irish are you know the same so that's just you know, <laughs> did, 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 you, did you pay for the HBO or did you take the filter out of the box uh, you know I never asked dad okay you know, <laughs> you know we, we own a garbage company so you could have found a few of those that fell off a truck or time, so. I forgot about the old filter removed yeah, that was, yeah. you remember that yeah that was the that was it right there. So and then two, I mean, again, man, humble, kind of humble uh, over that, like outside of applying for that and doing the interview process and, and getting those congressional nods, like grades had to be somewhat decent and on point and mm-hmm. then at least extracurriculars because that's the other thing the service academies really care about is just not are you doing good grades and are you not getting in trouble, but what are you doing extracurricular? So sounds mm-hmm. like you're doing hockey too? Yeah, yeah I, was a, I was a decent hockey player, nothing elite. Um, that certainly helped with, with Air Force. Um, and then I was involved in church. Um, I, my memory's fuzzy beyond that. I'd like, I don't remember what else I was involved in. Frankly, I spent a lot of time goose and duck yeah. in high school yeah. before hockey started. But yeah, there's a lot to go through and um, it was a great process. And, and irregardless of how it turned out there, you know, that experience as a young man, A, being away from home, going through basic training, um, you know, and, and 
just meeting kids from all over the world, mm-hmm. all different shapes and sizes, and I'm coming out of suburban Minnesota. It was a great experience for me, and then dealing with the adversity of not being able to live my dream when I was 18. Yeah, man. That was a, that was a kick, you know. Well, and then still... That's I, a lot to take on, I would think, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, emotionally and mentally, yeah. and you're not really ready for that at yeah. 18 either. Well, but, still but having must... the ability to kind of, like, move on and find a new target, like mm-hmm. too, in Wisconsin, so... But you must have been a pretty decent hockey player, though, to be able to just... Transfer yeah. to Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I could skate and I could hit. I got hands of a, of a plumber. So for all the plumbers listening, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, it's hard to wrap that tape around. Yeah, the ground, yeah. You know? but uh, yeah, it was great. And I think I think I got home on a Thursday or Friday, and I started working at Stock Lumber on Monday, building I beam loads. Oh, really? And that was like the first week in October. And then uh, I think it, I got off at two thirty or three o'clock from like. 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then we'd go goose hunting every evening. Yeah. And then in Jan, uh, January 1st or 2nd, I started at Wisconsin that year. Nice. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. So 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 side note quickly, mm-hmm. uh, as a guy who goose hunted and duck hunted a lot in the uh, 90s in the metro area, where did you hunt in the metro area? Yes. Where, where, did you, where did you hunt? I hunted at the corner of 160th and Pilot Knob Road in Lakeville. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just south of the new Super, super Target. Yeah. We, and, uh, we spent a lot of time uh, just on the... Uh, in the shadow of Canterbury Park be- okay. before that was all developed. We used to shoot a lot of geese out there yeah. in the field. And it was, yeah, sometimes they had a big event. You, we could set our decoys up and the, the lights of the from Canterbury would still be on and they would illuminate oh, sure. the whole field so we could set up and, you know, no nice. flashlights. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now that's all, you know, developed. And yeah, you know, so sure. we sound old now. I remember Facebook when it was all farmland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh God! But I just had to. I had to ask. Yeah. It was kind of same yeah. area. So yeah. I was I was in Shakopee okay. at that time. So sure. yeah, kind of a similar, but uh, not quite the same. Yeah, you guys so. are both pursuing uh, sky carp around. Oh, the same if time. I missed three days of the bird season, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was every day. Sometimes before work in the morning, in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we could have our decoys and shotguns at school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Back then, yeah. especially. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so I mean, you rolled into Wisconsin. Um, I mean, did you? Was it something you were competing for? I didn't even ask. Were you, were you playing defense? Were you playing uh, winger? Uh, defenseman. Yeah. And I was always kind of the seventh or eighth defenseman. Okay. Which um, you know was great for me to be in an in an elite program with a lot of great history. Um, you know, be around some really excellent leaders um, and and good coaches, and it helped open doors too. Um, you know, what led into my professional career, but. Um, you know, really found a, a great level of dedication to do everything I could to play, and it didn't quite work out where I didn't play regularly. Sure. Yeah. But um, again, great, a lot of great life lessons learned there, and a great education, and yeah. a double major in real estate and finance, which I use every day to I this think, day. I think what? sometimes people miss the point of uh, high level college athletics. A lot of college athletes go on to be super successful because I, and I think a lot of it stems from that experience of, of playing sports in college, because there's a, there's a, there's a discipline and there's a training there much probably like what you would have gotten staying with the Mm -hmm. Air Force Academy. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you, uh, you told me one time you wanted to get a, you wanted a career or you want something, you want to make your life. So you go shoot ducks Mm -hmm. any day of your life, any any day of the season, you could drop whatever you're doing. You go shoot ducks. Yeah. When did that dream start? Oh boy, you know, was it was it the real estate thing? Like, was it in college or was it? You know, I think I recognized it uh, probably end of college or right out of was is kind of one of the things I've tried to live in, since my professional career started about twenty five years ago was what's my why? Mm-hmm. And so my first why in life, and I didn't realize this till after I'd done it, was I wanted to shoot green head mallards in the face when I wanted to shoot them. <laughs> yeah. Jack, you're spot on. That was yeah. my thing. So I had to find a job that. Uh, afforded me the ability to make good money, but yep. also have some timing freedom 
where I, if it was uh, if the cold front was hitting Tuesday, I could be there Monday night. Right. And so that was my first why. So when I graduated from Wisconsin, my grandpa's uh, gift to me was my uh, black lab puppy, who was Deuce. Mm-hmm. And you've been to my lodge, yep. Deuce Lodge, and you were in yep. the Deuce Lodge. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you yeah. for representing. And um, so that was my my first why in life. And so I started that, I think, on our, I was born in 2000. I graduated in 99. And so I went started going there in 2000 and then uh, bought it and uh, built it in 2006. Oh, nice. So, yeah, yeah, that was my first why I was to shoot greenheads yeah, in the face guys. when I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> what was, uh, so, so those guys that you were playing hockey with yeah. in college, you still friends with any of those guys today? Yeah, a couple of them uh, they were kind of scattered. Um, I've got a, a guy um, in uh, Eau Claire area, a guy in uh, uh, Andover area, a guy in uh, St. Paul uh, a couple of my uh, guy in uh, Stillwater, even listen to my list of my roommates who I kind of keep in touch with. A couple guys still in Madison, um, and then Colorado and Florida. And we don't do it nearly as good a job as connecting as you yeah. think we should. But same thing in the military. Life, uh, same thing in the military. You know? Well, yeah. we, we were talking off air before too. So ninety six, ninety nine. I mean, like you're in the heyday of the WCHA, yeah. which is you know crosses yeah. the border with. Yeah, UMD and University of Minnesota. It was awesome. Minnesota State just getting into it at that yeah. time frame. It was it was it was really fun, and um, my last semester, I, I didn't I wasn't playing because I was graduating. But that year, most of that year, we were number one, and then lost first game to BC, which was a big disappointment. But I got to play with some really great guys: Steve Reinprecht, Dave Tanabe, uh, Danny Heatley, and sure. So BC Boston College, yeah, Boston yeah. College, yeah. yeah. For through that experience, and um, you know what what. If any at Wisconsin, was there a game or a memory that, that stands out for you as you know, kind of like your your all timer and in, in your your playing experience there, whether <laughs> yeah. on the ice or supporting your team or, or, or however it worked out for you? But you know what I remember and think about most, frankly, is just the locker room, uh, being around the guys, whether that's coming in you know uh, Monday or Tuesday mm-hmm. and catching up. You know, we'd see a lot of each other, of course, over the weekend, but just telling the stories and getting ready and chirping each other and poking right. each other and yeah, the, the camaraderie piece yeah. yeah and that was the best part of having a team yeah and having a great team where you could do it and be really fun you know yeah. and and that that's the gel i remember a few of the trips uh, i remember some of the ncaa tur- uh, tournament games we played in i didn't play i was there but i wasn't playing but um yeah that's what i remember the sure. most and that's, I mean, obviously pre-transfer portal too. So most mm-hmm. of you guys are coming into Wisconsin and mainly for the most part, staying with each other yeah. and having that cohesion that whole time. Yeah. We, you know, I always say we overlap seven classes because when I'm a freshman, they're seniors. When I'm seniors, they're freshmen. Yeah. But you oh, get your sure. core group kind of either your year, maybe a year after a year before. And yeah, yeah it was tight. That It was strength. You know, we're one of three revenue sports, football, basketball, and hockey. And um, so it's fun to be a part of a big university, see how it works and just kind of understand the inner workings of it and i was one of there was three of us in my seven years that went through the business school really <laughs> so yeah. that was another little differentiator for me yeah so graduate yeah 99 did you meet amy out there yeah. no no that came much later but that's a yeah. funny story i'll tell but uh i graduated in 99 a guy named john johansson whose brother jim uh, was big in usa hockey and and um had big influence there and then uh coming around had a big influence on one of my business partners today but uh, John uh, was at Welsh Companies at the time in the Twin Cities, which is now Collier's, and he was a Badger hockey player and very successful in real estate and set me up with an interview, and apparently I'm okay at interviewing yeah. after the Air Force stuff. Yeah, sure. and uh, oh, got, yeah, right. Got yeah, the job. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
you know, started in the commercial real estate industry with Welsh companies in 1999. So what did you start doing for them? Like, what was it like? What did they have you doing out of the gate? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I was, uh, took pride in prospecting. So it was a cold calling machine. Sure. And I can't remember if it was one month or three months, but I had a book and I made 3,000 phone calls. Holy shit. And I documented every of them. Yeah, I had them all printed out and bound and I'd make detailed notes and I'd try to get the secretary name. And for me, it was just a game. Yeah. I, you know, I wanted nothing more than, again, to shoot mallards in the face. I didn't under, know how to articulate <laughs> right, no, it at yeah, the time, yeah. but I just loved duck hunting. And Jack, you you and I yeah, share that. Right. And, uh, Mike, I don't know, maybe. In, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a big yeah. time waterfall, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, Jake, that yeah. you know how motivating that can yeah. be. Yeah. Right. And so um, that was it. I just wasn't going to be denied. And I knew the harder I worked, the luckier I'd get. Sure. So that's why I started that's true. prospecting. And that's always the truth, right? Yeah. You know, it's a game of numbers, right? If mm-hmm. you call 3,000 of them sooner than one of them's got to hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. if not, we'll call 3,000 more. Yeah, we'd make we'll up. Have large numbers, yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Who could call more? And I'd start with a couple other guys, similar spots. We had a great team and camaraderie and hold each other accountable. And then our morbid thing was, okay, who's going to call the most dead guys? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. It's going to happen. So yeah. did some of those start to hit? Yeah, they did. Uh, some of my best clients today and our partner now, my company now is called Carlson Partners with people that I had developed relationships with 20 plus years ago. Yeah. And guys who've, you know, entrepreneurs or started business, a lot of them at your core and a lot of people, I guess, in general, respect hustle yeah. and grit. And I was long on that, maybe not on smarts or expertise, but, you know, people in that position sometimes aren't afraid to give a guy like me a chance, especially when I had some really great mentors. Sure. So they could help guide me through the process. If you're, you know, represented a business and needs to lease space, sell a building, whatever. Yep. So that was key for me that I was blessed with fortitude and grit mm-hmm. and hustle. And then I had really great mentors to help me with the, the more technical right. piece. I don't want to, I don't want to sidetrack yeah. just from the, no. the, the strength and service part, but just out of curiosity, what, when you're cold calling like that for a, a real estate company, what, what is it you're trying to, what is it you're trying to accomplish with those cold calls? I mean, you're, you're not calling them and saying, hey, you want to sell your, your property or what, what, how does that look? Well, I think first of all, back then it was just trying to figure out who the hell the decision maker is. <laughs> that felt like a win half the time. All right, I got his name and now I might need to call him seven more times before I pick it up. But really for me, it was to just make an introduction to the company. Okay, who am I talking to the right person? Check. And then from there, it's all right. Uh, let me help me understand your business and how you use real estate. What does it do to support your, your business? Are you focused on growth? Are you focused on whatever it may be? Because then it's creating a strategy to align your real estate, physical real estate with that business strategy. And oftentimes you can find some misalignment. Or maybe this company's purchasing companies around the country and they have too much space now and we need to consolidate. Or maybe they're picking up a new product line and they need more space. Or maybe they're undergoing some rifts, reduction in force. They've got to cut costs and we've got to figure out how to jettison some surplus so, you know, Jake, I, there's a bunch of different things. It starts with the intro, get the right person. Sure. And then just have a conversation. I call it a discovery. Hey, so if, without oversimplifying yeah. it, it's, it, it really sounds like basic sales. Yeah. In a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah or just trying to solve that problem for them, right? Yeah. Just understand, you know, how can I be a, 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 a add value to you? Yeah. How can I be, turn out to be an advocate for you? You know, and, and what happened to me is I found out I was really good with people that operated companies, not necessarily institutional landlords or professional real estate companies. I was great with entrepreneurs, people that built something. Mm-hmm. And so that morphed into Carlson Partners, which is my tenant representation business. We represent yeah. occupiers of space. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask kind of exactly, you know, defining what, what, what Carlson Partners was, you know, I mean, that makes sense. So you're mm-hmm. representing. Yeah. yeah. 
So with with that though, like working that, getting cutting your teeth and and having those mentors, you know, you said you're blessed with hustle and grit, but you know a lot mm-hmm. of that's a lot of that's learned. I'd say some of it's you know inculcated too with family mm-hmm. uh, on it. Uh, did, mom, dad, work ethic. I mean, what, what was I mean, have any any of that exposure to that that type of scenario? Oh, yeah, that's a great call out. I mean, I, I I my dad definitely helped really instill a strong work ethic in me. You know, uh, whether it was you know helping out with some of his model homes, mowing lawns. I always had jobs in the summer. Sure. You know, in, in college, I was on a framing crew. So, you know, we didn't have a forklift. So my nickname was, it was Teddy Bone, if you remember the old <laughs> Teddy Bone lifts. That's one of my, oh, my favorite uh, little cliche stories to tell. But yeah, so I'd frame homes in the summer and then I'd go straight to the high school gym at, you know, five o'clock and work out, get home and do that five days a week. So um, I think my dad helped really instill that in me. You sure. know, and my mom make sure we were well fed and watered. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was really blessed with the way that I grew up. And if up. you want to play at the level of hockey that you wanted to play at, mm-hmm. um, you just you just can't go out there and, and screw around one day. I mean, no. and you're off the team, you know. So I yeah. mean, I, I always say, you know, it creates habits, right? If you go mm-hmm. out there and do your best every day, you push every everything you do, you try to be the best at. Sooner or later, everything that you do in life, you just have an expectation of trying to perform at the highest mm-hmm. level all the time, you know. And that's kind of like, you know, um, you know, we've had guys in here, you know, retired military and this mm-hmm. and that at some of the highest levels. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of the culture that you find or the, those guys find themselves in as well is, is surrounded by people that um, you don't want to be the highest caliber of, of those people, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, um, well, you know, when you like point the neurosurgeon like we had Megan that was in here, too, like, you know, Division One. Uh, Notre Dame lacrosse athlete, mm-hmm. you know, the people she was around and, you know, mentoring in the Mayo Clinic and then work ethic from her parents and that side of it. Um, it but really on like the strength and service side of it, you know, we we mentioned it casually in episodes and interviews before, but I think it is a really undervalued uh, form of service in this country of uh, being intentional parents and, and raising your kids to be set up for experiences, mm-hmm. encouraging that worth ethic, help and support, uh, involvement in competitive uh, sports, teaching failure and loss and adversity to your kids, and not sheltering them from that. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, as a as a parent, as a parent, as a parent, mm-hmm. as a parent, mm-hmm. you know, that's those are things that I, you know, uh, it all inten- starts. Yeah, it all starts at home. Intentionally it seek does. out for my kids, yeah. but we don't think of it as a collective of what that really does for your community by raising uh, strong kids and, and helping expose them to those, those types of values and ethics at a, at a young age and then instilling it through those high school years then too. And so, I mean, like, whether we think about it or not, your case particularly too, Ted, mm-hmm. is like your parents were serving their community by making sure they had kids that knew grit, knew hustle, mm-hmm. knew uh, to seek goals and, and strive for them and not just expect things to be handed to them. So, I mean, that's, I mean, one of the best things you can do in this country to serve your community. Um, I'm, I'm a little curious uh, based mm-hmm. on your upbringing and, yeah. you know, from your parents and now your parenting style. And I think we see, especially in this podcast, the, a lot of people we talk to that are great parents. I, I, I always get the impression that you don't set out to like, I'm going to be the best dad I can be. It's like, it's almost a, a deeper calling. Like I'm going to make this offspring the best person they can be. Yeah. Sure. And that I think is part of, that that parenting, you know, if, if you're trying to make them a better person, well, you're just naturally a better parent. Well, I think kind of our kids that are, are in a sense our legacy, right? It's it's what we build and oh, geez, you know, screwed. legacy. Sorry, <laughs> Jake. Sorry, Jake. I didn't mean to make a turn for well, like yeah. one of like one of the coolest like uh, parenting uh, phrases I've heard, you know, on, on parenting styles is actually you know rooted in uh, the local Catholic bishop here, but. 
Uh, as a parent, your love's unconditional, but your approval, approval is very much conditional. You know, your, your children need to know that, you know, you approve and, and you want to push towards certain behaviors and, and uh, certain ethics, uh, too. And, uh, you know, all of us here, I'm speaking for everybody who just met Ted, mm -hmm. but that's, yeah. everyone else will always love our children, you know, yeah. no, matter, yeah. no matter what. But we're going to try and foster and inculcate those types of uh, values that we see are going to benefit them in the long run and help them persevere because life gets hard for everybody, no matter mm -hmm. what. Whether you're top dog, bottom dog, the one thing we all have in common is life's going to suck at some point in your life. Yeah. And if you don't have that baseline, uh, you know, instilled inside of you, you're not going to be able to achieve and overcome when life sucks. Yeah. Um, we, Amy and I talk about that quite a bit is, you know, um, we're blessed with our family and our, our install that work ethic with our kids. So one thing I found that helps me as a dad and a parent and a spouse is um, I've got a whiteboard in the garage. And every time they pull in and out, you've got attitude plus effort equals results. Yeah. And so that's a reminder to my kids is, you know, I don't care about the results. Those will come mm -hmm. if you give me attitude and you give me great effort. Sorry, not give me attitude. Give me a positive attitude, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that came out yeah. the wrong way. How many girls yeah. you got? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah open that one up. Yeah. yeah, so we talked to them, and then, you know, we've got a family group text now, which my son's seven and gets it through iCloud, and yep. Danny's 10. And I sent him something the other day. Hey, um, you know what? It's not important the results. It's trying. Mm -hmm. and learning and falling forward and all those other cliches or whatever yeah. you want to call them, but they're true and try to reinforce that. And the other thing I've started to with my kids, to your point, Mike, is um, I'll sometimes tell them, say, hey, I, you know, there's a difference between a dad and a friend. And right now I'm going to be your dad, 100%. not your friend. Right. Yeah, and, and you owe it to him. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want him to be a crappy human being. Well, and he can find plenty of friends. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to find a good dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. really, I mean, you know, you got tons of friends, your mm -hmm. whole class. You know, mm -hmm. you can find all the friends you want. Yeah. You know, I'm here to be your dad. Yeah. yeah. Your You're, friends are who you go complain about your dad when your dad makes you do <laughs> yeah. the things well, that you need to do, not that yeah, you want right, to do. Yeah. Well, and Mike, back to your things earlier about, you know, where kind of some of my values came from. It's absolutely from my parents. So, yeah, I remember my, you know, I had an opportunity to go on a Canadian fishing trip and I just said yes. In summer of college, he looked at me like a 10 heads. He goes, what do you mean you're going on a fishing trip? you got to work. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> no. Goes, I'm going fishing because I love fishing. Yeah. Goes, no, you're working. And at the time, I didn't get it. But now you realize, yeah, he's being a dad, yeah. not my friend. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he wanted you to go fishing. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, you got bigger things to do here. you got to make as much money as you can and stay in shape all summer. Let's go. 100%. Good so, dad. you got to mm -hmm. earn that right to go fishing. Correct. Yeah. I knew you were getting in trouble up there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when did you meet Amy? Oh, this is a great story. So um, I was at Welsh Companies at the time, and, you know, I, uh, we were uh, sitting in my office, and this is my version of the story. And, um, <laughs> this is my she, version? That's uh, always a good Yeah, story. so I'm, I'm a little tad bit older than Amy, and she walks by my office one time. I'm like, hmm. Walks by again. I'm like, oh. Third time, my, my assistant at the time, she comes in. She goes, would you just please ask this poor girl out? She walked by your office three times. <laughs> so that's my version of the story. But we met through work. And, um, you know, funny enough, she had the same last name before we got married. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, and we're not related. Oh, really? And we're not. Yeah, so yeah it's you even better. Yeah, 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 there, right? yeah, we're you're not, not West Virginia. Well, you're not in Wisconsin anymore. <laughs> yeah. so you're not, like, fine. Yeah. Uh, Shots fired. Yeah, so we met through work. And I think... Um, I, we went to um, uh, TGI Fridays, I think. She's going to kill me for forgetting, but uh, yeah, TGI Fridays <laughs> after a work event. Yeah, you knew right away she's a keeper. So, yeah, that's, that's how we awesome. work. That's yeah. awesome. 
So, uh, I mean, when, when you're at Welsh companies, when, when did you start like leaning towards like, Hey, I want to work for myself. Like I want to, I want to grow something. Yeah. I want to build something on my own. Uh, when did that start creeping that, in your head? That's, you know, my dad also has talked about that is working for yourself and uh, that he was an entrepreneur and a, a home builder and, and developer of residential. And so I saw that from him and what he saw with his dad was his dad had struggled after World War II to find good employment in Duluth. And, you know, he's laid off a couple of times and their family had struggled. And then, you know, Grandpa Milton would go find a new job. And so I think he was the oldest eight kids, and I think my dad never wanted to, that to happen to him. So he imparted that wisdom upon me. And, um, you know, after about, well, what was it, 12 years there, I'd, I'd been oh, top. That's a good run. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a good run. I'd been top dog a couple times, which was, you yeah. know, a good deal. And, um and I, you know, the company then was thinking about going through an IPO and um, the markets turned and it didn't quite work out. And that was really the impetus for me to say, you know what, this is my time to see what I can do. I'm about. So this is what, like, oh, eight, was this yeah. like, oh, eight when the, 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 yeah. the fall hit? There? Yeah, oh, eight, oh, nine. I, I started my company in January of 11, but it takes time to put it in motion. I think I started in Q1 of 2010. So it took me okay. about a, mo- a year to get things kind of going and settled, everything between marketing and just what it takes to get going. So you're exactly, exactly right, Jake. And, and then uh, I launched it in January 2011. So we're what 2024. So is it yeah. 13 years. Or yeah. Now I'm curious. Did you yeah. go? Did you go into that? Because you said you know, it took time to build it up and, yeah. and get it going. So when you went into this, you you jumped in head first. Like I'm going to build this company from scratch. Yeah. It wasn't like I had a couple side gigs there. I was hustling in. No. I just, they built them slowly. It was a full blown. It was a full blown exit. I mean, I I was blessed. Where Welsh treated me very fairly on the way out, and I was fair to them, of course. And real estate, commercial real estate, is very collaborative business, especially in Minnesota. It's a good culture of good people and it's kind of hey we can all do better together and so that was nice and then i talked to some of my top clients who are entrepreneurs again not occupier side the tenant side and i said i'm thinking about doing this do you, what how did you build your company what did you do and what came out of it is they all believed in me not necessarily the, the company i was with they liked it but they were betting on me to always do right by them. And so with a, with a handful of people that I could count on to support me and, and do some deals, I started my own business. And I think my revenue was down 80 or 85% that first year. But, you know, Amy believed in me and we did it. And you know, 13 years later, here we are. Did you, was she did still, you guys do it together? No, funny enough. And I love that you asked that because uh, what, my, my wife is not a huge fan of change. Sometimes. Yeah. And so she stayed at Welsh companies, I think, for four or five years, Jake. And okay. then, uh, it's probably a good thing, though, for you, Ted, that she's yeah. not a big fan of change. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're you right. You're right. You that's, a, that's a great perspective. Because <laughs> yeah. it's still Amy one. It's not a different Amy. <laughs> that's same, right. Yeah. It, and even better, it's not Amy Carlson Carlson. That would be odd to hyphenate. Yeah. It's yeah. like a walk-in law firm. Carlson Carlson. Walking law firm. Yeah. Well, she, she, she didn't have to change her name or spend two days of her life going through that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason I landed her. Yeah, I got lucky. Well, that had to be a nice, I don't want to say safety net, but that had to be a comfortable spot knowing that she's yeah. comfortable and set and it's not, if, if this thing completely fails, you're not destitute, so to speak. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing, we didn't have kids yet. Sure. Oh, sure. So I'm like, all right, this, we're going to do this. This is now. Right. If we screw it up, we'll always be fine. We're always employable. We can have some skills or whatever somewhere. We're, and you so. had time. Yeah. And I had time, correct. That's, just, that's the insane part. I never, I mean, you think about kids, 
you know, I mean, you don't, you don't think about most of the stuff, but the one thing you really don't think about is 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 the, the amount of time it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, not just to take care of them, but to be the parent that you want to be. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it takes it takes time, and and uh, sometimes after a long hard day, uh, you just don't want to do those things sometimes. But you know, it, that's a great call out. I remember one one. During my first year, at one point, I looked and I think I'd worked 37 days straight. Yeah, and I remember that number because I'm like, man, I'm just ground down. What is it? Yeah. I was like, huh, that's why. Right. So, and but that's what you had to do. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't in the fall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I, I can remember when you when you add the kids and going back to the duck hunting. I can remember you know being a wedding DJ for 36 years. Uh, it was not uncommon for me to go come home from a wedding dance on a Saturday night, uh, load the, unload the gear, load the duck boat, take a shower, brew some coffee, and head out. Yeah. And then come in at noon and fall asleep watching the Vikings game. And then the first time you do that and a, a toddler climbs up into your lap and you can't go take mm-hmm. that nap, you're like, oh, Lord is going oh on. I'm going to have to start rethinking yeah. this here a little bit. It yeah. really changes everything you yeah. know, when you add that kid. Was there a point then you knew, hey, we're good. We're going we're gonna to make this. This company's going to be around for a minute. Yeah, I think I think I tell people I had one kind of sleepless night when I was starting the company. Like, what on God's green earth am I doing? I mean, you know, I'm in a, yeah, I'm I had a, it made before. I'm in a great role in my current company. You know, we're kicking butt, and and then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm I'm just not going to be denied. I, I don't know how to describe it more than that. Is that I was just going to adapt and overcome and figure it out. You know. Yeah, yeah, I guess what I was getting at was is was there a point that you made that deal or that handshake or uh, something happened once you're for your own company oh. that where you're like, hey, you know what, this company's, you know, I, I made it. This company's going to be around. I still don't think I have that, Jack. Yeah, believe it or not, I wake up with fear of failure every single day. Yeah, and I tell people I got the doubt monkey that sits on my shoulder, and yells at me all day long. Like, Keeps you driving. Whether I'm yeah. an imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call sure. it, that has not stopped. Sure. And yeah. he's constantly screaming at me. But we just continue to build and grow. Yep. And so you know we do things I think uh, bigger, better now. But it, I, it always <laughs> it always amazes me hasn't changed. the number of uh, successful people you see. Uh, and one that comes to mind was, um, uh, I just I just drew a blank his name, the chef that, that did the uh, Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. And he was famous for saying, one day they're going to figure me out. You know, like any minute the phone's going to ring, like, hey, we just realized you have no idea what you're doing, you know. And I think there's a lot of people that are really successful that always have that fear of like, they're going to figure me out here at some point and know that. You know, I'm just faking this and, mm-hmm. and you're really not faking it, but it's that it's that doubt that keeps you driving to be better, to get better, to continue to grow and to continue to succeed, I think. And if, without a little bit of that doubt, you know, it, it's the cocky guys that always fail, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what did he say yesterday is too, uh, too dumb to quit. Too dumb to quit. Mm-hmm. There's something to that. I yeah, think sometimes. I, I really, there really is in, in business and the military and, and family mm-hmm. and, and community and, and people that are out there and. Um, you know, just the willing of being able to face that fear and, and deal with that fear, fear, even though it's there and, and kind of pushing you and saying, well, shit, my only way is forward. There, mm-hmm. There's no backwards. It's forward. And, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, this is going to be here tomorrow, but I'll figure it out tomorrow. But today I'm going to figure this out and we'll keep pushing. Yeah, and I think too, to that back to sports or whatever, I knew I, I, I was lucky where I generally wasn't going to get outworked. Yeah. And so I think through that, some sort of psychology then is that I knew that no matter what, if, if I would work my hardest, that things were going to just work out sure. sooner or later, sooner or later, yeah. somewhere, a shape or form. Well, there's a there's a little part of your brain, I think, sometimes, or maybe I should ask, is mm-hmm. there a little part of your brain sometimes that also says, 
if I work as hard as I can and I outwork everybody, even if I do fail, you can walk away going, you know what? I gave it my all. I didn't, I didn't half-ass this. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I, I legitimately failed, but I tried. I, we, I talked about that yesterday. I think that the failure is not trying or not getting in the batter's box, mm-hmm. right? And if you give it your all, you're going to learn something, and mm-hmm. there's the value that you derive, right? You, you miss 100% experience. of the shots you don't take. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and, and if you fail, you, you learn from those mistakes. You don't repeat them, and you use that as growth to keep. Mm-hmm. Home. Yeah, and not not to get political, but I remember the first time when uh, former President Trump was running for office, and somebody had said to me, a, a lot of people would say, well, you know how many times he filed for bankruptcy? And I, my response was always the same. How many times have you filed for bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. Well, never. Well, what have you done? What have you tried? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, filing for bankruptcy isn't the end of the end of, the end of days. It just means you tried something. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. So we, we had uh, actually a, another uh, area business leader on the other day, and that was one of the things that he had as a sense of pride is, as he grew his company is, you know, your why was to, to be able to uh, shoot greenheads in the face whenever you wanted. Yeah. I mean, that was your initial driving passion. But one of the uh, points of pride he had now as they've expanded is the people that he's employing, he's, he's helping them fulfill their why, working uh, for him and his company and, and watching their families grow and the ability uh, through his company and what he's built to support other families. And, you know, I, I imagine, you know, you're biased. The people that you employ are people that you care about and are good people that you want around you and your team that you've built. And so, I mean, what's that like for you watching others kind of grow and helping other people that are, are your, you know, employees achieve their dreams and their whys? Well, it's super rewarding. And I think, you know, if I, when I look back on one of the reasons I want to start my company was to help other people grow. Yeah. And, and learn. And I had great mentors in my business and I thought, well, maybe there's something to me that can do that. For example, one of my uh, team members today is in Miami working on an assignment for a new client, a new company, and he's running it kind of by himself and he's in the lead. Mm-hmm. And that feels great where I'm not the lead dog on that. And then another one of our guys, he's got his largest assignment ever scheduled to close next week. And that's some really meaningful for him. And it's just proof of, uh, concept for him that he's got what it takes and then you know we've grown um exponentially over the years and in, in number of assignments and, and transactions and revenue we're completing and that's really helped lift us all together so we've got a great culture and a great fit with eight people at carlson partners and that's our tenant advisory firm and it's really fun i've got a partner there that's fantastic and supportive and then on our investment and development company orion not orion that's okay <laughs> that's all right orion investments um, that's a I'm constellation. A I'm a trigger puller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know who Ryan is? The God of hunting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Greek God? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, think okay. that, you think that was an accident? Other than <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just Come on, Jake. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. You said uh, when you when you left Welsh that mm-hmm. they uh, they were really fair to you and you were really fair to them. Yeah. Um, is there anything you took away from that and learned from them and, and that experience that has helped you? Because I, I, I don't know, maybe you have or haven't yet had people that have said, "I'm going to jump off and do my own thing," yeah. and 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 that that helping them grow. That, that's a great call out, Jake. Thank you. I think one of the things that true to my authentic self is I get a lot of value in just helping people be the best they can and whatever they want to be. And so when I bring people into our team, I say, if I've done my job as a leader, I'll give you all you help you learn and get the tools you need to be whatever you want to be. And if that's starting your own business or you think you can do better elsewhere, that's great. Let me help you get there. Right. And that's a compliment to us as a team and me as a leader. And so, to your example, the people that have left our company have done so very gratefully. We had a, uh, a woman leave last year, and she started her own company. 
We had a couple of the guys where it wasn't the right fit. We made graceful exit, complimentary, supportive transitions. Because mm-hmm. you care about them as a human first. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that uh, that for sure resonates with me. I think that's, uh, I think that's an important part of being a, uh, a human being, but also being an entrepreneur, is that some of the most successful people that I met when I was self-employed were willing to share. Mm-hmm. They were willing to help. And, and that was something that I really embraced is that, you know, I'm going to help train other younger up and coming people in the same industry because there's plenty of work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you help them get better, you help the industry as a whole. Right. Yeah. I mean, and now the industry grows, which is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of confidence in it, too. You know, if you think you can go out there and do it better than me, you know. Yeah. Well, and if, get you, after if it, your you people, know? if your people, I, I experience that here as a manager at the radio station, if I, my goal is for everybody that works for me to leave and go to a bigger, better market to mm-hmm. be, you know, to be the next Tom Bernard, mm-hmm. you know, and if you do that, that, that to me, I think is a feather in my cap. It's that, testament that, to you. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and well, you never know too, where that's going to come around and, and pay back. You're not, I'm not thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It just happens with good people when you do good by them. Right. And you were that person at some point in your career mm-hmm. that people looked in and invested in you to, they, they knew you had the drive. They knew you had that grit. Mm-hmm. You just needed to, you know, some mentoring and you needed some fostering on that side of it. And, well, and you probably see that in people now, but that for sure. you can see that they really want it really bad and they're out there and you let them grind and you let them grind, and you let them grind, you know, and mm-hmm. eventually there comes a time where you see an opportunity to help them, you know, something comes along and you're like, man, this guy's been grinding forever. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, what was, this what, to him, you know? what was that like when you, because you had to get to a point where you're like, we need help. We mm-hmm. got to bring some more people in. What was that like, uh, that, that hiring process and, and looking now for somebody who's going to compliment you and the company and, and bring them in? Is that, was that a new challenge? <laughs> yeah, the first guy was like a diaper. He was on my butt. He wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wanted to work with me in the worst way. Yeah. And so I said, all right, kid, come on in. And um, he was great. He's no longer a part of our team, but he's had great success at, at other firms and a great relationship. And, you know, he, he brought a great tenant to one of our investment deals that we put together when he was on the other side of the transaction. But, we, you know, that that came around in sure. spades. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I think that it's, that, that, yeah, that's important. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to brain fart. It's, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a process to where I, I think sometimes with hiring especially, it, yep. can, be, oh, yeah. it can be, it's really challenging to sometimes because you can almost get, uh, as I like to say, the, uh, the old phrase of uh, uh, paralyzation through analyzation, where mm-hmm. you, sometimes you're just afraid to pull the trigger. Like, is this person going to be right? And, and there's sometimes, like, I've never had anybody talk me into a job during the interview. Like, mm-hmm. the moment I met him, I knew this guy's good or he's not. Yeah. This person has it or they don't. And it can sometimes be hard to trust your gut, right? It, yeah, it, it sure can. I, I would tell you this. Hiring's difficult. Firing good people is, is, is tough. Um, we've had people do really well on kind of, you know, our, our uh, assessments that haven't worked out. We've had people that have done poorly that have worked out. So... Uh, it's just a little bit of trial and error, not giving up at, mm-hmm. and, and believing in people. <laughs> and, yeah. and then the other piece with our team is we're a small company. Uh, you know, there's eight or nine of us. And we back to the parenting piece, you know, we um, sometimes I, I'll say, hey, I got to be dad on this, not Ted. Well, yeah. You yeah. know, like you need a kick in the ass well, or yeah. you need this course correction. To yeah. your point, Mike, earlier, right? I yeah. mean, so there there are some parallels there, too. Sure. And, and it, it's and, and I think sometimes people overlook that how it all kind of comes together. It's mm-hmm. all part of the same process of, um, I hate to oversimplify, but good people and bad people, you know. And, mm-hmm. and if you're a good person, you're probably a good father, and you're probably a good boss, and mm-hmm. you're probably a good mm-hmm. spouse. Yeah, and, and it took me a while to realize this too: is that two good people don't make a great fit. 
No, that's true. You know, I that's mean, true. and you see that in relationships. Um, you know, two a great guy and a great gal maybe aren't great together, right? But they're great individually, and that's so. That's just the other piece that's hard sometimes. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of perfect fit. Yeah, know? that was one of my best friends in high school. Was a terrible roommate. We're still best yeah. friends. We just yeah. shouldn't live together. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like my first wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so <laughs> these boards you served on. Yeah. Uh, so we share we share a, a mutual. Yeah. Friend. How did you two meet? Uh, we haven't even heard that. Yeah. Story. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We uh, we share a mutual friend Ronnie Swagger. Yeah. Uh, incredible war hero uh, through the foundation of exceptional warriors yeah. and you serve on the board yeah and uh, your dreams came true enough that you can you got a place that you can go shoot ducks yeah. now and yeah. you want in the face up yeah. in North Dakota yeah. and uh, for a short time every year you open up a window for you bring in veterans mm-hmm. um, and you, you give them a once-in-a-lifetime duck hunting experience especially if they've never had one you know yeah and uh, how did that all? How did that all? How did that all happen with with you? You deciding to take veterans up to your place, you know, and yeah. So it was, it, my parents had instilled in me, you know, a, a contributing um, attitude, and so I'm just going to back up a second. When I was 30 years old, I was woefully out of balance, and I was working with a group called LifeWorks Services, which is throughout the Minnesota has a place here in Mankato, and they serve disabled adults. Okay. And I always felt, I felt a kinship towards kids and people growing up. You know, people sometimes got a rough shake in life, and I wanted to be there to help. So I worked with LifeWorks for a long time, 14 years, and that's oh, wow. now at the end of the board capacity and help fundraise and lead and all that. But what happened is um, one of the board members of LifeWorks, she was C-level uh, at Allianz, and I was talking to her one day, and I had, a, I had a bad bicycle accident eight and a half years ago. I forgot how to ride a bike. But anyways, we were talking through that, and her husband had been in fifth group, and he was in, uh, um, I believe he was in... Uh, Delta, and he was in Mogadishu in 1993, and Jay was, for lack of better terms, a mess, and so I said, you know, I, I had a lot of affinity for the military, and here's a, you know, first-class Silver Star combat decorated guy who's living a nightmare in his own home, mm-hmm. and um, got to know Jay and befriended him and really helped him and tried to get him out in the world. It took him to rehab a couple of times for, um, uh, what, Benzos? Sure. The, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yep. I, yep. I forget the name, but yeah, really tried to mentor excited. him. That was a one-on-one thing. And then Jay passed in February of 18. Uh-huh. And um, I think then through the Sportsman's Guide, who I've represented sure. for a long time yep. on real estate, Ronnie somehow got connected with them and the leadership of the sportsman's guide connected me with Ronnie Perfect. and said yep. they knew that I had an infinity for helping people and, and, and especially military. And they said, Ted, you've got a great lodge and setup. Would you ever do this? I said, well, hell yeah, I'd do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. I just needed the right person to ask sure. and didn't know where to go. So now through the sportsman's guide and Scott there, um, Ike Stead, uh, amazing guy, uh, connected us, and then that kicked it off. So I met Ronnie when he was here one time in April of, I can't remember what year, but I think he posted five hunts now. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, then this year, this year we got to meet, you know, I got invited up and uh, show up. You guys hooked us up with a ton of gear when we got there. That was absolutely incredible. And uh, Dan, Mm -hmm. I think that might have been maybe the highlight of the trip, honestly. Is this combat vet? Mm -hmm. Uh, this guy could cook. I mean, I'm telling you, no matter what you gave him. Was he a spoon, too? Or <laughs> <laughs> This guy could cook. Everything yeah. that came out of that kitchen was absolutely the best <laughs> I ever a, tasted. It was unbelievable. It was the best I ever tasted of that thing, you know, and it was just, even the omelets the one morning, I mean, it's it's eggs, 
and meat and cheese, you know. But I'm like, this is the best. How how would you make this that's taste a, better that's than the other? That's an art form, making mm-hmm. a good omelet. It was yeah. meals ready to eat. Just a it was yeah. Same thing. <laughs> well, didn't he make like uh, pheasant wild rice soup? Pheasant and, wild rice soup, antelope, moose chili, or antelope chili, or something. Antelope uh, pasta we had yeah. one time. Yeah. I mean, it was just you name it. Then Kirk was doing his duck skewers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> everything up there was just absolutely the best. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, surrounded by great people. Um, so many things to do up there. You know, if you weren't hunting, mm-hmm. we could go shoot sporting clays or mm-hmm. shooting pistols or look for more ducks, yeah. you know, or whatever, yeah. you know. And then the lodging side was absolutely beautiful. Great place to hang out. And But the main thing we were up there for was the ducks, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we were after. Yeah. And, and uh, there was a lot of really good ducks in the area. Uh, we got in the field, got hunting, got to test that out. And uh, the, the highlight of my trip was, was when you said, hey, tonight we're going to go hunt the slough. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've never been on the water. You know, how the hell are you going to put me on the slough? He was like, no, we'll just, you know, we're going to get some guys in the weeds, you know, and we'll stand out there and, and uh, we'll shoot divers, you know, tonight. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't have any legs. You know, I'm kind of thinking, you know, I'm just going to. And we're like, no, we'll put you on this dog platform out there. We'll give you a nice platform to sit. I was like, all right, here we go. And uh, boy, they made me a custom pair of waders. So I was, wasn't too worried about being in the water a little bit. And I was like, I had somewhere good to sit on. And I said, yeah, we're going to get you out there. And I was going to pull up a slough, and I'm like, I'm looking out there. And this is a North Dakota slough. I mean, hundreds of yards, it looks like, a cattails. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and you guys are going to get me out to the edge of those cattails. <laughs> and he's like, yep, we're getting you out there. Hold on, here we go. Mm-hmm. And these guys threw me in a, in a boat, or a, what do you want to call it, sled? Sled. Sled. And uh, started sliding me through the reeds. And uh, before you know it, I'm on the edge of the water. There's a dog platform sitting there, and these guys got me on there. And uh, it really hit me. Uh in the fields a little bit. You know, there was one time I was laying in the hospital bed uh, wondering if I was ever going to be out on a slough again shooting ducks. And I just kind of accept the fact that, you know, I just wasn't going to get old classic slough shoot anymore, you know? Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden there's these guys pulling me out there in the sled and I'm sitting out there enjoying a, a cigar out there on the slough watching these divers fly by shooting at them. And, and I look to my left and I look to my right and it's a bunch of guys that served in the military and a bunch of guys that want to do nothing but help us get out there and, and, and experience their, their favorite place in the world, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it definitely hit me in the feels a little bit that somebody was willing to do that for me. And it, it, it changed something inside of me where I went, you know, we need to, no matter how old grandpa is, we need to try to get him out and, and hunt one more time or get him in the boat one more time, you know, no matter how hard it is. And if it, no, you know, you see that kid that that's in a wheelchair and you're going, Hey, you know, you, where do you want to duck hunt? You know, we want to we, we want to get you in the hardest place to duck hunt if that's where you want to go. I mean, what that does for a person, you know, um, is absolutely life changing. You know, and I think that's kind of changed me. At just just that one trip changed me as a sportsman immensely of of what legacy of, of a hunter really means. Right mm-hmm. at the end of your life, Ted, nobody's really going to care how many limits of ducks you shot. Mm-mm. Nobody's going to care how many inches of deer the biggest deer you ever shot was. Nobody's ever going to care about that, but they are going to remember you for all the guys that you brought up to your lodge and, and guys' lives that you changed, right? Yeah. There's guys like me that have been up there that have shot a ton of ducks before in our lives, and, and you know, shooting one more mallard wouldn't say, hey, now I'm, now I'm a real duck hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not going to do that for me, you know? But then there's also guys that have been up there that, have, that go, what are we shooting at? What are we calling yeah. these are ducks, you know? And, yeah. And they've never shot a duck in their life, and they squeeze the trigger that first time, probably miss. Squeeze it again, maybe hit <laughs> yeah. something. You know, because yeah. that first shot, you just got to rip it off most of the time when you first start a duck on, just to, you know, because you're flock shooting the first one, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, they're not stopping. <laughs> and then, the, and then the, you know, and all of a sudden that first, that first duck falls, and, and, they, and they can't help it. They're like, I'm 
for the rest of my life, I want to shoot ducks, yeah. you know? And that's the kind of things that Ted's doing up there. And, and the network of people that came up there and we all got to visit and share and learn from each other and, and leave inspired, you know, to go take on the world. And that's the kind of things that happen at places like this. And, and maybe you don't even understand the extent of what you're yeah. doing up there in the lives that you're changing, but you're fostering a team, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's been really incredible to host uh, warriors uh, at our place and what I call my locker room. You know, that's my happy spot. Yeah. And to share the experiences like Jack's describing with, with others who, We've had great feedback where, hey, man, I was in a not good spot and that three or four days was out with you really helped me get back on track. You know, the weird thing is, though, Ted, is a lot of times guys don't realize they're in a bad they spot. They don't, yeah. You know, all of a sudden you're packing up your stuff and all of a sudden you're sad to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, man, I'm not, not going to see these guys again mm-hmm. for a while or maybe ever, you know, and you're like, man, I had a really good time and I'm feeling really good about myself mm-hmm. up here and I know what it feels like to be happy and mm-hmm. I'm going to go home and find this for myself yep. again. I want to feel like this all the time. There, there's something so introspective about watching the sun come up over the cattails when you're mm-hmm. in a duck. I'll yeah. tell you what, it's, it's, I mean, in a deer stand, it's one thing, but when you're out, you know, in a duck boat and you're tucked into the the cattails and that sun's coming up and, you know, birds are splashing around. It's There's nothing like it. I mean, you can't, it's almost hard to describe. You just have to feel it. You can hear them. Yeah. yeah. The wings, oh, yeah. wings whistling well, over your like head. Jets coming right over, especially early season, man, with the teal and the yeah. woody's just coming in and buzzing you. Right? I mean, well, I think it's a connection to nature too, which you're outside, you're, you know, you're, you're feeling the wind, you're in the slough, you're, you're harvesting the meat, you're cleaning it. And then mm-hmm. you, it creates a, a real bond and brotherhood pretty quickly mm-hmm. outdoors does in duck hunting. It's a collaborative team thing. And then I will say uh, for Jack's benefit is I did get a text message from my brothers while he was out blasting those divers. They're like, good thing Jack's here. These other guys can't shoot <laughs> shit. <laughs> so. Well, so that's actually, I mean, we had met when Jack came home and, and flew into the airport when he was first wounded, but like how we, I would say became closer friends on that is literally there was a group of vets around the area that just had like a, a, a weird hair up their ass and are like, you know what? We should try and go hunt some big water. Mm-hmm. We should, let's, let's try and do an East coast uh, duck hunting trip. And then it's like, well, Cape Cod, like that's a, that's a thing, right? Like, let's go out there. And so I found a, a guide uh, that just roundabout way ended up being a vet from the Gulf war era. Our first guy too. Yeah. Oh, but cool. so it and it'd be nine of us from Minnesota. Uh, I think half the guys had Purple Hearts, but all Iraq, all Afghanistan, all combat arms guys, uh, too. Some of us barely knew each other, like yeah. you said. I mean, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other, yeah. you know? And People from up north in Bemidji, uh, dude from up in Duluth. And um, there was another uh, guy uh, down here at the time that uh, had uh, my position, but with Redwood County that kind of organized yep. uh, the whole thing. And so literally besides the hunt side of it and us trying to you know figure things out i mean open water duck hunting in a harbor and a cape is a hell of a lot different than uh hunting cattails or field hunting mm-hmm. on that side of it and the first time we showed up the harbor there's like a quarter inch of ice all over it. it's like oh we'll just break through it don't worry you know i like, got this <laughs> yeah. big you know 28 inch uh, 20 yeah. foot uh boat too and we're all piled into it and we didn't even think about it you know because well jack like this thing's got high gunwales on the side like how the hell are we getting jack in there and out and it's like all right, well, just, you know, firemen carry everyone, or yeah. link up arms, and we'll get Jack in and out of it. And then when you get out to where you're hunting, it's sand dunes. Out Way worse. 40-yard 40, 40 march, yeah. and I'm trying to hang on. And yeah. I remember you guys loading me back up in the boat, like, the first day, and you're like, we got to find a better way to do oh, this. Dude. <laughs> dude, so it, it, felt, it felt like, like, 
when you see the old Star Wars where Yoda's on Luke's <laughs> 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 back. <laughs> Except for like you weren't giving me like life advice. Right, you're yeah. like, ah, oh, come on, pussy. Come on, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Hunting ducks we are. <laughs> yeah. But then the, the next day we went out, we, we decided that night, I mean, probably after a few beers, we're like, hey, we're going to steal the bed sheet. Yes. Off yeah. it. And then everybody grabs a corner of the bed sheet, yep. throw Jack in the middle of it, and we'll walk him to shore. Adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. But we, we shot a whole bunch of eiders out there. Too, Hammered them. Hammered them. And then Brant Keys, too, and that whole side of it. But to your point, that was 2010, so 14 years ago. And mm-hmm. me and Jack are still hanging out. And yeah. We're still... You know, trying to identify other people to help uh, bring that to, and, and not to the scale of, you know that you are, but you still see that that tonic of of nature in the outdoors, especially with duck hunting. Uh, you know, compared to a lot of the other uh, you know outdoor pursuits, if you're hunting in slough, I mean that's a struggle. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it was it, bro- it's, it was brutal. It's, it's work to get out there, and oh. when you put a duck down, even with a dog, a well trained uh, dog, I mean that mm-hmm. recovery can be you know quite quite work. I've said for years, if somebody told me I had to work that hard for a paycheck, I'd tell them to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But boy, to get out there yeah. for some ducks. Yeah. And, uh, let's and, I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't want to take away from your brothers either, Tim, Tony, no, Kirk. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody up there really contributes to it. It's mm-hmm. just not, I don't want to give Ted all the credit. Like Ted's no. putting us all on his back and, and hauling no, us out no. there. It's, it's a huge team up there, and it's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's a great team, and Joe, my buddy, too. And so we've got, you know, I think a good group of guys yep. to help find the ducks. We're hunting different spots every day. We're mm-hmm. trying to get these guys, you know, over three or four days, one or two, what I call slammers. Yeah. And I think we had a couple. Yeah, for sure. And it, it was great this last year because we started with kind of a dud. Yeah. And, you know, so temper the expectations yep, and then have a couple what, of slammers. But a dud in North Dakota is probably about the same day in Southern Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> one of your best days in Southern Minnesota. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. So it's been great. And, and through that, to your point, you know, Mike, we've met a lot of great people around the country. I think we, we've made some great impact. Uh, as Sportsman's Guys have been an incredible sponsor. Yep. And then every year in mid-October, we have an alumni hunt. So that's where, hey, you can come out to the lodge. You can stay here. You can use our gear. Guys are driving in from as far away as Tennessee. Oh, sure. uh, fifth group guy comes in from Tennessee. Wow. And uh, some other guys. We've got, we got a good Air Force pipeline there, too. And the guys yeah. come in, and we'll help put them on ducks. But they figure out how to... But, you know, they've been there once, and now they can do it on their own. So we're so we're kind of got getting it kind of two weeks now, where we open up our place to support uh, you know those who have served our country. And hunting and outdoor pursuit, you know, and you know, I'd say sports on that that side of it too. It's a great equalizer across uh, you know lots in life and profession and mm-hmm. skill set. I mean, you can have. You know, the, the number one lawyer in the Midwest with, you know, the worst plumber. You know, again, not picking on plumbers on this podcast. <laughs> well, I started it. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know or, or, or you could have, you know, uh, just a, a government clerk with somebody that's, mm-hmm. you know, running a successful uh, real estate, you know, company mm-hmm. all, all over the United States. And and when you're out there in the blind or when you're out there in the deer stand or you're out there walking in the fields, um, none of that shit matters. Mm-hmm. You guys are in that moment together and you're you're in the pursuit and you're in the hunt, like, you know, literally mm-hmm. on that side of it. And that, that's something that value you take away, that mental reset that you take away from that, uh, where you're in kind of that flow and you're just there with a fellow person that's doing mm-hmm. this pursuit for you. And you guys are going to do this together. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. You've alluded to this and it's something that's been an, it's not something we ever dive into a lot on this podcast, but it's, it, it's an underlying factor is, uh, how much does your faith 
play into uh, not only your you know your lifestyle and your you know your your fatherhood and mm-hmm. your and you know being a husband and being a business owner and, and giving back to the community yeah. how much does that play into it and has it played into it for you yeah that's a great question i i you know i was raised as as catholic i would readily admit i'm not as close to the catholic church anymore as i was yeah. but i think for me it's 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 about doing right and doing good and doing doing right by others and my saying is you know karma comes around Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I found that when I'm a good person and try to be a better person, that good things happen to me. And for this example, you know, with our hunt and then, the, you know, we do a fundraiser, too, that Jack was a part of to raise yeah. money for the few, get my guys together and my, my contacts have some fun. But to your question, Jake, um, it's it's more of a spiritual thing for me, if, mm-hmm. if you want to call it faith no, or fair. spirit. Yeah. That sure. You know, I got one spin on this earth. I've been blessed with a lot of some tools and resources, and as much as I can share and part that and leave other others with a little bit, some great memories and right. maybe a little better than I found it. Again, that's cheesy lines or cliches, but it's true. And I will tell you this, I, you know, I love hearing Jack's story about hunting water and always shared that and that's really impactful for me and i would argue much more for me than it is for him right do you know what i mean to give someone that opportunity to experience that you know uh wounded or not but to come out have the camaraderie and be with the people and have a great hunt when hunting's a core thing to your psyche and soul and to experience that that's really fun so and you can't put a you can't you can't put anything on that on that experience either you know and it's something i'll never forget you know and uh what is the, I guess overall, what does the Deuce Lodge, you know, mean to you? You know, you get the veterans up there, you hunt there with your brothers all the time. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's exactly what you wanted when you started yeah. out, when you, you know, yeah. uh, what does the Deuce Lodge mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. And I don't know that I've ever been able to fully answer it. I, I think for me, it's, you know, it was my, my why is it started with something I wanted, but it's really morphed beyond that. And it's sharing the outdoors. It's encouraging a culture of hunting, with all the other inputs in life. It's being with nature. It's being bringing people together. It's recreating a locker room, a place of confidence and safety and teamwork. Um, it's my kids are out there with my buddy's kids, and they're outside catching frogs catching fish off the dock cleaning ducks can't wait to clean ducks riding four-wheelers being kids mm-hmm. uh men get to be men in a place where i, I don't know i don't know if i'm kind of all over the place trying to really articulate you know, it no, but we you're at. i just i said to one of my business partners the other day is you know there's my favorite thing about being in the lodge being in my like recliner yeah. and having a whiskey yeah. and watching everybody love the lodge it's true. And everybody's having a great time. And we're making those lifelong memories. Whether you come to Deuce Lodge once or a hundred times, you can't wait to get there it's and true. you hate to leave. Yeah. It's got, I've, I've said as I've gotten older, I, I, always, uh, I always use the cliche about uh, walleye fishing in Christmas. I always say, you know, when we're in the boat, I don't have to catch the, the fish. If walleyes are coming in the boat, if we're shooting ducks, if we're getting pheasants, if the kids are opening presents, mm-hmm. I don't have to be the one opening them. It's just being a part of that experience and seeing, you know, the joy and mm-hmm. seeing that excitement and, and knowing that, you know, you're, you're having that impact. And I guess for people who don't hunt, I would say if you have a regular vacation spot, you know, that, that once a year you go to Florida and you spend a week at the same resort and, and you enjoy that, you know, time on the beach or, you know, by the pool or whatever, it's, it's the same kind of, I don't know, release yeah. and, 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 and joy. I don't think people realize either it's the, 
is the time in the it's not it's just not one thing about hunting you know mm-hmm. it's the time in the lodge that you have with the people right that for you'll me, never it's the, it's the night before it's mm-hmm. triple checking the gear yeah getting everything packed up you know it's like your text it, thread beforehand right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all I that mean, stuff yeah. and you get everything all set up right and you bring then 10 times as much stuff as you need <laughs> and then you go out there and you trick these ducks right you trick these ducks yeah. and you and your buddies look at each other like every time every time you're shocked holy cow we got mm-hmm. it no matter how many times you, you know, I mean no matter yeah, how many yeah. times you know every duck hunter you're like holy cow that's spread worked every yeah. time you know especially divers they just keep circling back it, in that's so much fun <laughs> and then you're picking up your ducks you're cleaning your ducks and you're sharing that meal together and and i, I just don't i just don't think non-hunters really understand truly what the sport is about you know we, we say you know you want to go shoot ducks in the face you know mm-hmm. it's more than just shooting it's, them in it, the face that's the that's the visualization it's right. it's the exactly piece. it's everything exactly you know that. and i don't yeah. think that a non-hunter really understands that. i think sometimes we're viewed as these people that just want to go out there and just try to shoot everything we can see move, you know? Mm-hmm. But in reality, you know, you've probably done more for ducks than, than most people, you yeah. know, through conservation and everything else that you do, you know? Yeah. And I think, Jack, that's a great way of saying it because Jake alluded to it, you know, earlier, why, why we'll shoot ducks in the face, but it's not really shooting ducks in the face. It's right. the camaraderie and the when mm-hmm. I sit back in that chair and get to watch everybody just having such joy and happiness, that that's what it's about yeah that's that was the why i didn't realize it at the time i was a you know 22 year old punk out of college and i'm like i just want to shoot ducks but i wanted a lot more than that and 25 years later now i know what that is you know what the craziest part is though ted is is you could probably have a place on any beach in this in this country (laughs) but you chose a little lake up in the middle of of north dakota on a dirt road road. yeah Yeah. Yeah. dead end dirt road yeah Yeah. (laughs) i say man like it it sounds like you get to to deliver christmas to those you care about and uh the new friends they get to meet you know 45 days out of the year yeah so i mean what a feeling i mean as as a parent again all of us i mean I mean, that, that day of Christmas morning, being able to sit mm-hmm. back and watch your kids go through presents. And as a dad, you know, you're, yeah. you're not, you're not, you're, your day is not made by what you get. Mm-hmm. It's by yeah. watching that and, and being able to give back. And I, I think, you know, as, uh, as blessed as you said you've been, but then as also hard as you've worked to be in the position you are, uh, to not you know, be selfish, to not hold on to that, you know, and, and worry about what joy you can bring to yourself, but to identify those that you care about, your family, your brothers, but then also with what you're doing, opening the lodge up to others to, to create those memories. I mean, there's there's a hell of an underlying theme of service there, man, whether you're intentionally doing it or not. And that, that's kind of, you know, what we looked at starting this podcast on for is the more you serve others and the more strength you help build in others, the more uh, gratitude and the more strength you draw back in mm-hmm. just uh, through default. And, and that's that doesn't, uh, become your intent of getting into it, uh, but you continue to grow. And the, and the more you serve, your ability to serve more and, and impact more continues to grow, man. So th- thanks for doing that and what you're doing and oh. continuing to do it. Turns out it's a passion, but you're, you're sure as shit impacting uh, other people's lives and helping uh, serve others. Uh, and, and whether you thought about it or not, you're delivering Christmas to people yeah. in non-Christmas season. You oh, know? Thanks well, for saying what that. What does... Yeah. Uh, what does the future look like for you, Ted? What do you want to do? Yeah. I mean, just well, him and Bill found this phone booth. Yeah, uh, <laughs> three people got that reference. Yeah, I said Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you mean you just want to stack ducks for the rest of your life? Uh, do you want to? Do you want to keep growing your company? Do you want to? Like, what are your? Yeah. What's your? I mean, what's your? That's a great question. On, on Carlson Partners, you know, I've got a great partner there, Tim Olson, and we're working to grow that company. I want that company to grow beyond me. Yep. And have bring more partners in. 
um, and just continue our um, just providing great advisory services and grow. Um, on Orion Investments, we've got a couple of large projects right now. We're capitalizing, getting out of the ground. We're going to we have the opportunity to reshape Edina with some really long-term legacy type amazing buildings that are going to shape that community forever super cool so that's really cool it's a legacy project yeah legacy project and then for me you know um i've started flight school so i'm learning how to fly there we go yeah and so you know i think about i'm 47 my dad when i'm 55 danny will be either going to votech or or college or whatever she chooses it either one's great whatever and but then i want to be in a position where i can fly and visit her whenever i want sure so that's what's kind of on your own time on my own time and my own wings probably a little quicker to get to that spot north dakota also yeah that's that's a that's a wink wink nod nod there's a field eight miles north (laughs) of the lodge so you follow (laughs) migration down from canada too yeah (laughs) that so my buddy keith that jack knows we have a pact when we're 60, we're going to buy an earth roamer and we're going to start uh, just south of the Arctic Circle on in, in, uh, July 15th. And we're going to hunt all the way till January 31st in <laughs> no Rockport, way. Texas. Yeah. That's That's been a lifelong dream of mine is to yeah. follow to follow the flock all the way down to the, the cinnamon teal in Tex- uh, mm-hmm. Texas and uh, northern Mexico. Just, so the whole just, time trying to shoot that first stuff. Follow. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of ammo. Yeah. yeah. Fred, <laughs> sponsored by Federal, probably. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be proud of you. Yeah. 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 That guy burn up all that ammo. Mm-hmm. Steel shot everywhere. <laughs> Holy cow. Look at him go. So that's what's next for me. Yeah. That's awesome. That is that is that is really awesome. Um, so I got to ask before because uh, we're kind of co- coming up on uh, the end here, but uh, I always like to uh, end with a couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, number one, uh, if you could go back in time mm-hmm. and talk to young Ted, what would you tell him? Oh, that's a great one. Learn how to <sighs> practice riding your bike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't take off the training wheels. Yeah, that's, yeah. Soon, yeah. that's a great one. Tricycles work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Three is better than two. Yeah. yeah. What was that green machine one? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, what I've really learned, and I started this with kind of some, some great mental health counseling and coaching when I was 30 and I just met Amy, was really to understand my whys in life, understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And um, that really helped me get on track. And then that led to just kind of some, as we talked about today, don't be afraid to fail and fall forward. Uh, Figure out how to channel this doubt monkey that screams at me all day, every day, that imposter. Figure out how to channel that and use that and turn it into a strength. And then um, that helped me build upon the resilience and fortitude that I had. And so if I could go back to younger Ted, you know, um, I don't know, I would think I would just focus more on... God, I don't know. Get my get my mind right around some of those things. Do you think if you would have if, if if you would have got your wings mm-hmm. and you could have flown, yeah, you probably could have. You could probably could have been happy, but you probably wouldn't have got to shoot ducks very often. No, and chase some of your passions. And obviously, you're good at what you do. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like sometimes life will will say will tell you in different ways that you're not on the right track yeah i I, that's a great way of saying it jack and i think it helps me answer jake's question better so thank you i i i I always believe things that happen to me for a reason 
Damn. whether it was not flying at the academy or not really getting to play much at Wisconsin, but getting to be a part of a great experience or even crashing my bike. When my healing happened, it was when I accepted that this was to happen for a reason. Yeah. And while maybe from other people may have thought of it as they had failure, they didn't, but I probably thought they did. They didn't. I could use it to channel it to get better and get stronger and just improve. And, and the healing happened when I, when I went back and, you know, said, you know what, I wouldn't change anything. Right. Yeah. I, think, I think we both share... Uh, a similar example, you know, different ways mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, you, you you couldn't learn how to fly through the Air Force. And at one point in your life, you said, I'm, you probably said to yourself, well, I'm never going to fly now. It's never yeah. going to happen, you mm-hmm. know. And here you are years and years and years later learning how to fly. Yep. You're flying again, yep. you know. And we always seem to find a way to do the things that we love, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what it is, like hunting on a slew again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We always find different ways to do things that we love, but... Um, sometimes we just take the long way around to get into that thing yeah. that we've always wanted to do. It happens you know? for a reason. Yeah. It's coming around. It's the way you were supposed to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huey Lewis was 42 when he signed his first record deal. Yeah. You know, sometimes it just takes time. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep, he's got to keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, final question on a completely different note. Favorite barbecue food? Oh. Um, probably... Uh, Beef short rib. Oh, oh nice. Oh, yeah, there you oh, go. Oh. That's, it's ribs, though. We're back in the uh, ribs. Yeah, well, ribs, yeah. ribs. I, think he, I think he's the first beef. Beef rib. ribs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Especially short ribs. Those are so good. Uh, mm-hmm. The SF guy that was here the other day uh, uh, that we interviewed uh, was brisket. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's the special forces. Yeah, those guys are higher level. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, get, they get the expending meat. That's how that works. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. Well, Ted Carlson, thank you so much for being here, man, and uh, sharing your story and uh, being a part of Strength and Service and, and being a part of the service, you know, that you continue to give back to the community and uh, to your family and to, you know, the Twin Cities and with your business and with your uh your selfless uh, dedication and devotion. We appreciate it. I really appreciate your friendship. Thanks for coming down. down, Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, uh, Jack, Mike, and Jake, I look forward to just helping the few grow more and hopefully having some more impactful hunts with others out of our place. So So thank you. Before we uh, sign off, I should ask, uh, do you do like uh, normal hunts? Can people like, uh, do you take people up there and do like, uh, can people like book a weekend or no for the, okay, uh, never mind. It's uh, it's private invite only. I like it. Family and friends and, and, uh, and uh, warriors that it, that the few brings to us. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Cool. So then we'll we'll just go with uh, if you need uh, commercial real estate advice. Yes. That's that's the way to do it. Perfect. Well, thanks again for being here, man. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Questions, comments, concerns, or if you'd like to suggest a guest for the Strength from Service podcast, please email us strengthfromservice at gmail.com. This is the Strength From Service Podcast.